Blog Talk Radio. It's Movie Geeks United, our second live episode in a row. Uh, Just 24 hours ago, we were closing off our pre-Oscar broadcast, but the world was a much different place then. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, really some some genuine surprises that occurred, uh, and... uh, Obviously, what's been in the news all day today, uh, pretty much the wildest conclusion to to any televised Oscar telecast that we've seen, certainly in our lifetime. Uh, Or any award show, ever. Yeah. (laughs) It was crazy. Unbelievable. So let's talk about that elephant elephant in the room first. Because actually, they read out the La La Land name. And I figured, okay, well, that makes sense. And then I put my head in my tablet. Uh, I, I guess I was tweeting something. or And then and then I heard from the TV beyond the usual speeches, I heard this, like, rumbling. And I looked up, and I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I can see it. I, 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 it was weird because Beatty got kind of lost in the shuffle, and he seemed to be mm-hmm. shuffling around. And then, then you saw something very unusual, which was the uh, – you know, like stagehands or um, little minions, yeah. you know, with headsets on, you know, uh, grabbing for the envelopes and everything. Uh, uh, it was, it, there was just a- absolutely, there was something weird going on. Uh, but uh, but here's what, but you know, but, but with Beatty, I figured that was just Beatty. I mean, because Beatty, like, takes these mess truck pauses in any kind of social situation when he's, being spoken to or present presenting or something, I thought just thought he was being his usual kind of quirky self. But here's what's funny, dude. I mean, my <laughs> the, the kind of the behind the behind the scenes story that I hear is that Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway presented Best Picture. For those of you who don't know, um, they announced the wrong winner, and that was uh, we'll, we'll get more into that later. But that that's the setup. The day before, during rehearsals, Beatty and Faye Dunaway were arguing between one another about who would announce the Best Picture winner, Mm. and neither one of them were giving an inch. So when that happened last night, what I loved about it was seeing uh, Warren Beatty stare at the card and consider it. And then he just handed it right to Faye Dunaway. And then looking in the envelope to see if there was another card in there. Like, yeah, what? yeah. Looking off he just handed it right to Faye Dunaway, and he was like, I'll let you take the fall for this. You go ahead. <laughs> you, you wanted to announce it. <laughs> that does make that. She is, the, she is the last person. I mean, you know, we've all heard the stories about Faye Dunaway. I mean, you know she had to admit and. At backstage, they asked her about it, and she was like, I, I, I'm, I, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. she's, you know, notoriously difficult. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> that does make that, that was funnier true. in some ways, because he just, 
you know, people were kind of raking him over the coals for kind of throwing her under the bus, but uh, I can see why why it happened now. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, I guess I guess there's a lot of blame to go around, but the ultimate blame goes with the accounting firm, the Price Cooper Waterhouse, that that they uh, they just uh, handed them the duplicate. Uh, envelope because they have duplicates on both sides of the stage of each envelope, and uh, they handed him the duplicate of the previous <laughs> category, which was Best Actress, uh, without paying any attention to it. And he didn't pay any attention to it. I mean, first of all, you're handed the envelope in the dark backstage, and you, you right. assume it's the right, the right damn envelope, especially it's since something that's never that that had, doesn't happen, you know, at the Oscars. You know, it's it's not it's not a normal situation, you know, to get the wrong envelope. So, right. they, I mean, they, but they the, weren't prepared, the they weren't prepared to consider the possibilities of maybe I was handed the wrong envelope. And right. plus, you know, it might have been that he looked at the envelope and and saw well, he looked at the card and saw Emma Stone was maybe a little confused by that, but then he thought maybe maybe he thought well, was Emma Stone the producer of the movie? Uh mm-hmm. because, you know, if he had been the producer of the movie, that's what the, you know, if he had won for Reds, that's what his name would have been on the card, you know. So maybe he thought she was the producer. But I'm telling but... you, man. I'm telling you, man. Because the easiest thing for him to have done would have, <laughs> would have been would have... To, mm-hmm. to to point it to say and say this is the wrong card, or to say say it to somebody like off to the corner of the stage. I guarantee that's why he handed it to her to go ahead and read out loud uh-huh. herself. That's that that makes that makes complete sense to me, uh, and that is delicious, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's not as you posted earlier today. It, it's not exactly unprecedented. I mean, it's unprecedented being televised in front of hundreds of millions of people, <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's happened before, right? Yes, it happened awesome. in '64 uh, with um, with Sammy Davis Jr. It wasn't Best Picture, but it was uh, it was Sammy Davis Jr. giving uh, the uh, award, well, announcing the uh, best score, um, oh. which the nominees were Andre Previn for Irma LaDuce, uh John Green for Bye Bye Birdie. Uh, Leith Stevens for A New Kind of Love, Maurice Jarre for uh, Sundays and Sabelle, and uh, George Bruce for The Sword and the Stone. And he announced the winner is John Addison for Tom Jones. Well, that's not even one of the nominees. So immediately they knew, and they uh, yeah. uh, and they fixed it immediately. But uh, Sammy Davis Jr. had the... Uh, the great line he said. He said, "Boy, wait until the NAACP hears about this." <laughs> well, uh, another one. I think there was another one that, like, um, is that the one? Is that the one that you're just talking about? The one in 1932. Mm, there, 1932. There was something the, in 19, 1932. There were two Franks nominated for best director. Oh and right, whoever, that's a different, whoever, that's a different yeah. case. Yes. Uh, Whoever opened up the envelope, I'm not sure who, but all all he said was, "Come on up here, Frank," and the wrong Frank. <laughs> yeah, it was for Frank Borzaggi. Uh, uh, that was the real winner, but but Frank Capra was also yeah. nominated. So Frank Capra thought that he had won, uh, and he yeah. He, wow. So that that was another. It's not quite the same thing, but uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's another. Embarrassing Still an embarrassing moment. flub, yeah. So outside of the colossal flub that that was, Moonlight in itself as a Best Picture winner, certainly it was in the conversation. Certainly we're all talking about it's probably likely between La La and Moonlight, but mm-hmm. I would say 95% of people thought, yeah, La La Land has it locked. So I mean, that's Moonlight another was, reason why why it's understandable that Faye Dunaway would just read the name 
rather, you know, read the name La La Land because it was just almost felt like a foregone conclusion. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, the La La Land would win. However, that's the old Oscars. The new Oscars, that's the way the old Oscars work. The new Oscars with the best, best picture in a preferential ballot as opposed to the rest of the nominees, which are not preferential, uh, uh, complicates the art of predicting the Oscars now and has for the past few years. Uh, because what happens with the preferential ballot is that in order for a film to overwhelmingly win on first uh, on, on the first go-round, it has to have over fifty percent number one. Uh, you know, you they ask the they ask the people voting to rank their. This is my number one choice. This is my number two choice. Number three, number four, all the way down to eight or nine or whatever it is. Well, uh, you have to for something to win on first go round, it has to get over fifty percent number ones. If that doesn't happen, then they go to a second count, and then they start counting the number twos and the number threes and so on until one comes out at the top. And uh, I know it's kind of weird and complicated, but it's it's, it's a way to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess it's that done that way because of the uh, number of nominees uh, is different from the rest of the yeah. categories. Uh, if we were going back to a, only a five nominee thing, which I personally think you should, they should do, because um, I don't believe in this whole like, oh, you know, it'd be great if everybody gets nominated. What is, why? Why is that so great? I mean, like you're not, you know, you're not going to win. Uh, so, I mean, you know, but uh, but anyway, so so that's what happened with Moonlight is that. <clears throat> I think that there was a last-minute kind of surge for Moonlight uh, leading up to the uh, the deadline, the voting deadline earlier this week or earlier last oh. week, and um, there was, you know, there was a noticeable backlash, of course, against uh, La La Land, particularly because it was just setting records all over the place. So there was a lot of like, ah, I'm so tired of hearing about this movie. There's a sort of a feeling out there that, uh, you know, it was good, but it wasn't that good. I mean, it wasn't, you know, all about Eve good. It wasn't, uh, you know, I guess people think Titanic is great, but uh, um, I don't know why. But, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, and then it won the seven Golden Globes, and um, people were a little irritated You don't think it had to do with Moonlight being uh, more substantial in terms of its relevancy? I think that's that's also part of it. Um, I think that, uh, but I really think that what happened was that uh, you know, in combination with the number of number ones it got, Moonlight got on that basis, on the basis of its importance, on the basis of its actual merit, uh, and um, you know, and, and historical things, and, and, and even a sort of a sentimental underdoggy kind of thing but uh mm-hmm. but also uh you know i just think that uh uh you know people people were a little irritated with the la la land love i think that was a big big deal about it so but on on that basis of of, of its of its actual quality and importance uh even the la la land lovers probably picked it as their second choice. They didn't right. just shunt it down to the bottom right. of the <laughs> thing. So, um, until I guess, well, <clears throat> you know, that's that's the way it's going to be from now on. Because if you look at the past, you know, with, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, Spotlight, like last year, winning Best Picture. Meanwhile, The Revenant, is the one that gets all the awards, you know, get, gets all the tech awards mm-hmm. and best director. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, another split. Seven awards for Gravity, 
Uh, only three for the Best Picture winner. Argo, same thing. Uh, tech, tech Awards and Best Director for Life is Pie. Life of Pi, but uh, Argo wins. So you know, all of these things are 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 due. These recent splits are due to the uh, uh, to the preferential ballot for Best Picture. That's interesting. That's interesting. But Moonlight is a very uh, it's an unusual Best Picture winner in several respects. Uh, first of all, it's the lowest budgeted Best Picture winner since Rocky. Right, it cost only one and a half, one and a half million dollars to make. Um, it's gro- it grossed the least out of all the nine best picture nominees up this year. But on that uh, on that basis, I mean it's only it's only grossed about twenty one million dollars so far. But on that basis, which it's, is good, for it's that made movie. its money up back twenty times over. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's good for that movie, and and certainly this will increase that take. I'm sure when it comes out on. Blu-ray or home video or whatever home video sound like <laughs> I know nobody uses that phrase anymore. <laughs> uh, when they release this movie on the reel to reel, it's gonna be a killing. Um, Which is, I think, tomorrow. I think it happens tomorrow. It, it hits shelves. Perfect. So, yeah. So outside almost perfect. The, uh, almost perfect. They, they, it would have been great if they could have just waited a week, and then they could have had the the covers to the thing that say "Best Picture Winner" instead of "Winner of the Golden Globe for Best Picture." Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but still, you know, I mean, I, I've I've been talking a lot this season about <clears throat> how much you know I feel like Moonlight's overrated, but even and how much I love La La Land, you know, particularly you know in the last month or so. But uh, I do have to say, you know, there's uh, I, I I'm kind of I'm happy for for Moonlight to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nice to see a it's it's good to see a low budget movie uh, dealing with controversial themes, doing it in an artful way. Even if I think that it's a little overrated, it doesn't matter. I, I'm I'm very much a you know an outlier on this, uh, but. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see it win, actually. You know, yeah. And I'm happy for La La Land too, because I mean, it ends up winning six awards, including you know, including Best Director and Best Actress. I mean, you know, how can you? Well, a, lo- a you... lot of a lot of yeah, a lot of films were shown love last night. Um, it was um, it was really. I think the only you know, Hell or High Water and Hidden Figures walked away empty-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, most everyone and Lion was, was of well. course. Yeah. Yeah. Um but they even gave stuff to Arrival and you know they 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 spread it out and, and that's what killed me. You know because I was questioning about that whole Fantastic Beasts thing. I talked to talked about it last night. <laughs> I was like, god, I think they're going to give it to Fantastic Beasts, but I just don't know. I just I'm You enough. know, I wished it I, I kind of wished it, you know, I I don't really like the Harry Potter series or any of that stuff. Uh, but if I had really taken a real closer look at uh, Fantastic Beasts and the, its costumes and everything, it pretty much fits the bill for what I was saying would actually sure. should usually wins, which is you know period piece uh, detailed period piece costumes. So um, you know, and and after it's yeah. win, I was expecting it to maybe even win uh, you know art direction as well, but. Uh, that of course went to La La Land. I was starting to worry about La La Land because uh, it was losing all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't get its first award and uh, to weigh into the, uh, the broadcast. And when it won, when it lost Best Editing to Hacksaw Ridge, which was a real shock, I thought, uh oh, this is not going well. Well. Let me just say uh, the um, other flub of the night, apparently, was the uh, the in memoriam segment. Uh, it's not necessarily that they left anyone out; it's that they put the wrong person in. <laughs> they, they, well, they, they had the right they, name, uh, but the wrong photo. Yeah, they put the wrong photo in, so they put in a photo of someone that was still alive. 
And it was an Australian. Um, who, who, who was she? What was her? Um, uh, it was the. I I can't remember now. It's Janet Patterson or something like that. And uh-huh. if if you Google her, you know she's in a photo comes up with her and a, and a colleague that has a similar name, and they just didn't get the right person in that three person photograph. You know, it was uh, they took the wrong photo. So, and by the way, they didn't yeah. leave out. I thought the same thing you did. <laughs> I thought, yeah. where's David Bowie? But they included him last year. So. It's so damn confusing. I mean, the most confusing thing are the Grammys. Like, what is the cutoff date for – because I can swear that album it was is. released a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true because they go from October to October, which is weird. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that could, that could create a lot of confusion. Uh, when it comes so to tell, tell me. Uh, let's. I guess let's take it from the start, and we'll give our general impressions. Jimmy Kimmel, who uh, I, I, you know, I think we all thought would be tolerable, but we didn't have many more expectations beyond that. What did you think? I thought he captained it very well, uh, uh, with uh, great ease, uh, kind of like surprising ease, like. Sometimes you can feel kind of the sort of the flop sweat coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but it was an unusually well choreographed show, despite the end, which I think the end was wonderful. Uh, you know, it was wonderful live TV. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, I, I thought he did a, a superb job. Just. Uh, you know the the jokes were the jokes were good. You know I, I loved his OJ joke about you get an extra slice of bologna, and, uh, and then Mel Gibson's reaction to it in the corner of the screen was funny. Uh, but uh, the one that made me laugh, the one that made me laugh at his opening monologue, he was like talking about how much of a doubter all the Best Picture nominees were, and he said the only happy ending in all of these is midway through Moonlight. <laughs> 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 yeah. Did he, did he, was, was, he, was it in last night's show where he said uh, Amazon is offer, offering, uh, uh, along with uh, your rental of uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea, uh, uh, a packet of uh, Zoloft? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll ship so, your Oscar to you in two to five days. <laughs> yeah, that was good, too. There were a lot of there were a lot of really good uh, good things. I I'd, I'd love to see him back again. Now he's getting some kind of backlash over some things that he said that are being perceived as as you know racist or insistive. Uh but that's all like you know I I, I don't really I don't really like talking uh, doing that in ter- talking about that in terms of comedy you know comedy is is it's a joke <laughs> you know it's a yeah. you know i mean so some people are like oh him raising the the little brown kid from from uh, <laughs> from uh lion uh sunny uh up you know like the lion king is being perceived as somehow racist and and uh and also uh some of his jokes about you know the odd names of some you know Mahershala Ali and and uh, and then one of those the the Asian woman that came in with that stunt <clears throat> that tour bus stunt right uh, he kind of uh, made some jokes about her name too yeah. um, it's just best these days you know when it comes to names or anything like that just to accept the name and just go on. <laughs> Yeah, but if 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 she if she if she were white, he would have made fun of her name too. I mean, it was an unusual name, and he's and he's improving. Yeah, it's like I don't know. With so many people watching, some some somebody is going to have a a problem. Problem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like people can't people can't fall asleep at night unless they get a problem with somebody. Yeah, um, I think he did fine. He did a superb job. Yeah. And I think the 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 audience participation stuff, uh, 
works for the Oscars. Uh, I mean, it's a tightrope because you could easily fall flat on your face if the stunt doesn't work. But um, I, th- I thought it worked for the most part last night. I loved the opening. Uh, that was a really great idea, like we talked about last night, which was it was kind of leaked out before it was before it was they they wanted it to be more of a surprise, I think. But um, but uh, uh, that Justin Timberlake opening was a very smart move. I mean, uh, and something I've never seen before the uh, the opening number being one of the nominated songs just makes t- complete and total sense if you've got. A song that's nominated that's something like that, or something like "Everything Is Awesome," or something like that, to start the show with that, and that saves time. That that one yeah. decision saves four or five minutes, um, and, and still fulfills you know the brief of the Oscars. So uh, that was a very very smart move, I thought. Well, it also sets a tone of like we're going to have fun. This is a party. Uh, mm-hmm. On a on a night that uh, that everyone was expecting the speeches to be very somber and foreboding and political and moving and emotional, um, and for the most part, the the speeches weren't that. There were little, you know, Jimmy Kimmel made his jokes, uh, and there were little references throughout that weren't overt. I mean, how, how people view movies around the world. Uh, the the um, quote at the end of Sting's musical performance about journalism from James mm-hmm. Foley, the importance mm-hmm. of it. It wasn't uh, it, there. There wasn't showboating going on, you know. Well, the thing was that, that it lacked a, 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 the the there was political content in the in the speeches, uh, obviously, but um, they lacked a kind of a bitterness to them, a meanness uh-huh. to them uh, that we may have expected given the past few months. Um, they were, uh, they were pleading for, for empathy, I think. And, um, and I think they achieved that, um, you know, uh, of course, you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of right wingers were aren't watching. Of course, as we said, so uh, um, so you know it just falls on on the court. Of, you know, on well, agreeing years. Also, also, too, I mean, for the most part, most people, if they win an Oscar, I would think are overcome with being in the moment. I mean, this is a moment that they've dreamt about their entire lives. They never dreamt of going up to the podium and speaking about politics in that moment mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so they don't it's kind of maybe it's not in their mind because it's such a whirlwind or maybe they just don't want to soil what is for them a lifelong dream mm-hmm. uh, so I, I think there's something to that absolutely I mean absolutely uh, boy I was uh, you, you know what I loved about that opening let me just go back to the opening uh, uh <laughs> In addition to Timberlake's, you know, very uh, great performance, which, by the way, I think he was, he was, he, I mean, he was lip syncing, right? Because uh, there was a mm-hmm. moment during his dance down the aisle that he stopped singing, right. but the singing kept going on. So uh, that was kind of a surprise to me because I, I, I didn't know that they do that at the Oscars doing lip syncing uh, anymore, but. Uh, or if they e- ever have, I can't even remember of a lip synced uh, performance at the Oscars. But um, but besides that, what I loved was uh, there was some kind of joke that Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> said when he came out on on stage. He he stopped Timberlake for a, a brief moment and uttered some kind of joke, and there was that great. <laughs> close up of Timberlake with this very sort of angry look on his face. <laughs> it was just perfect. It was so. I was like, "This, this is great. This is going to be good." You know. Uh, well, and the thing that really made me laugh was his. Uh, first of all, I love the actors talking about their favorite movies and then walking out with their hero. Uh, that was great. I, I always, I always love that. Um, 
But uh, the last one that they did was very funny when he critiqued Manchester by the or, or uh, We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> yes, and then, and then David comes out and he they're playing him off while he's predicting. <laughs> <laughs> that whole the whole Matt Damon thing was absolutely spectacular. You really got to I mean, I guess Matt Damon's used to this, and they've just made it sort of a pact that this is going to be an ongoing thing for you know probably the rest of their careers. But uh, uh, everything that had to do with Matt Damon was hilarious. The the, yeah. the line about him going off to do a Chinese ponytail film, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, instead of uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, and then uh, David grabbing uh, uh, Casey Affleck's ponytail. Look, he has one, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that that playing off really thing, funny. I was like, "What's going on during it?" It was so perfect because I was like, "Huh?" And then, and then <laughs> you know, and then Damon has that reaction. He's he's just amazing, uh, uh, you know, at, at at playing along with things. And then that sort of it was almost like a a reference to like a Bugs Bunny joke or something like that, you know, with the camera going down and showing uh, <laughs> showing Kimmel, you right. know. Doing the, uh, that that was terrific. I loved, by the way, that they. I don't know. Maybe they've done this in the past couple of years. But remember, a couple of years ago, they had the orchestra. You know, like in a in a room down the street. You know, like right. in a studio. Terrible. Yeah. I hate that. They gotta have the the uh, the orchestra there. Um, yeah. And uh, they made really wise choices too. Like if you're a movie fan, uh, you you would notice that that all of the playing out, going to the commercial music and stuff like that, all of that was past uh, best song nominees and winners. Uh, mm. So all of that music was very carefully uh, curated and uh, chosen. Also, another thing that was very movie-loving about this, that's what I really loved about the, one of the things I really loved about last night's show was it was obviously done by people who, uh, I don't know, I mean, you know, I, you know, they obviously were movie lovers. And yeah. in that, they made all of the correct choices. Like, for instance, uh, Showing showing a real clip from the movie, not you know when they're doing the actors, you know the actors' right. performances. Going back to showing a real clip of the movie, not some picture or some you know uh, you know montage from the from the trailer or something like that. And, was, and in most cases, not the not the clips that have been played to death already. Yes, in, mo- in most most of those cases, yeah. Absolutely, that was another great that was another great choice. Another thing that they jettisoned, which I was so glad because I always feel like it stops the show, is having a celebrity come out and introduce one of the nominees for Best Picture uh, throughout the show. I always feel like – and then just cutting to, like, the trailer, you know? (laughs) I was like, no, it it always just – you just want to get over that stuff. Why can't they just – from past years, I've been like, can't they just save Best Picture to the end? You know, stop this, you know, stopping the show to have a tribute to a movie. Uh, and just announce it like you do the rest of the things at the end of the show. Uh, and they they took that to heart, uh, I think. You know, it oh. seems like, it felt like the producers... Have li- really took sat down and said, okay, now what are the what are all the possible criticisms of the past Oscar shows, and how can we fix all of those? And that's the correct way to go about it, I think. Um, yeah. And by the way, to fix to fix this whole you know, to make sure that this kind of historic flub doesn't happen again, all they need to do is color code the color code the envelopes. Just you know, have the last one be a gold envelope, and uh, you know, uh, I'd even go so far as to maybe color the others too. You know, like all red for the for the acting awards, or or even 
color code them all, you know, like different shades. So they absolutely know. Uh, but um, yeah. uh, that's that's the only way. But uh, certainly somebody's getting fired today from <laughs> from PricewaterhouseCoopers. So yeah, uh, we just we I just mean, got it. We just got an email that someone's disappointed that they were waiting on hold, <clears throat> and we didn't take the call. Oh, uh, we'll just wait on wait on hold, and we'll take the call. I mean, when we have a break in that conversation, then we'll answer the phone. We like we did last night. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so here's some here's some other um, interesting stuff. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, after 21 nominations, he finally won his Sound Oscar. Yes, that was that was really great. His and, first uh, nomination was yeah. for Terms of Endearment. Wow, 1983. Uh, he's been nominated all those years since. <laughs> And man, and, that must be like I mean it's great to be invited to the party I guess but I mean to be a 20 time loser but uh, he's finally picked it up so that's good for him yeah yeah and that was uh, you know he's got to be the only uh, you know I was watching the after party afterwards and they had him on he, and I said man this must be the only sound no- <laughs> nominee ever right. that's ever been on you know a, a talk show couch, you know, talking about his Oscar, you know. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's, it's great. It's good, it's good for him, you know. Uh, now, this is interesting. In terms of um, reading off the wrong winner, uh, this possibility was discussed in a Huffington Post interview with a Pricewaterhouse accountant just last week. Um, and the representative said <clears throat> they asked what would happen if you read off the wrong winner because there are there are rumblings that this actually happened before with Marissa Tomei because Jack Palance it was the way he like couldn't see the envelope and he looked out for an answer as to what was in the envelope and then he said Marissa Tomei and that was such an unexpected winner that they thought he just named the first name he could think of from the nominees but in fact it was proven that Marissa Tomei was the winner so they asked this account and the deserved winner, um, and a complete—that's a complete insult to her great performance in, in my cousin Betty, which, you know, but okay. So so okay. So so continue. <laughs> okay. So here's what the here's what the accountant said. I agree, she was great. Uh, the accountant said we would make sure that the correct person was known very quickly, whether that entails stopping the show us walking on stage, us signaling to the stage manager. Uh, You know, it's really a game-time decision if something like that were to happen. Again, it's so unlikely. (laughs) This was just last week that they were asked about this. Isn't that amazing? It is. And they definitely fell down on the job because, you know, it wasn't no eight seconds or anything. It was, you know, two and a half minutes. Mm. You know, yeah, they were they were already getting to the third producer of La La Land, um, who oh. I guess is like from Australia. I couldn't understand anything he was saying, which was also weird because you know, because then all the rumblings behind him started, so it added to the confusion a little bit. Um, but they those producers, man, those producers of La La Land, who obviously have you know. Uh, traveled from Telluride to uh, to the Oscars uh, with Moonlight uh, Moonlight's crew in tow with them had become great friends with them, and uh, their reaction to uh, to their sudden loss <laughs> was uh, very magnanimous. I thought, and um, yeah, I thought so too. Uh, you know. Uh, it was. Uh, what was the What was the best speech? What was the best speech for you? Well, um, certainly, uh, certainly Viola Davis. Viola Davis, of course. Uh, you know, it was uh, was great. Uh, I, I think she probably had the the most well thought out speech, and uh, it was, you know. It was something she was obviously prepared for, 
and that's good. Uh, and uh, and it showed in the in uh, in her words. Uh, uh, her husband, you know, says that she's one of the, one of the great extemporaneous speakers, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, her her award was widely predicted, so so she 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 came rather prepared. And um, yeah. I thought Emma Stone's speech uh, uh, was was very good and uh, and kind of a market improvement over her speech at the at the uh, uh, at, at the Golden Globes, uh, where she seemed a, a lot more flustered, and uh, and uh, and here it, it felt very genuine. Um, perhaps the most disappointing speech, I'm sorry to say, was. For the one award that I actually clapped for, which was for uh, for Casey Affleck, um, who's a you know a very soft-spoken guy in general, and uh, you know there's probably part of him that they would maybe wish that he wasn't up there in some ways, um, but uh, uh, he he was he was obviously at, at a loss for words. Maybe mm. he thought that Denzel was going to win too, uh, which I, I, so. I can't blame him. It was a, it, it was that was probably the most tense uh, race of the whole of the whole night. Um, uh, so, um, and that shot when they cut back, he he thanked Denzel for kind of teaching teaching him how to act, uh, even though they'd never met before. And that cut back to Denzel with tears in his eyes. Um, I'm not sure how to. He, he looked angry. <laughs> Let's make sure he, was, he was keeping it. He was keeping it kind of real. Uh, so um, he, he uh, you know, the tears in his eyes could could be attributed to the tribute, or it could be attributed to just the fact that you know the emotion of. Uh, not yeah. winning something well, like that. Yeah. There's also I read today that Brie Larson had an ad- adverse reaction to Casey Affleck as well. But Brie Larson's been presenting Casey Affleck with Best Acting Awards throughout this season. <laughs> yeah. Because it's customary for the Best Actress for the previous year to, you know, in the Golden Globes and everywhere else. But apparently, people were commenting on how cold she was to him. And refused to hug him and any anything like that. And then I rewatched it, and she did. She did reach over and hug him. Um, mm. But the whole argument there is that she's obviously very sensitive to issues related to molestation and harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been a big cheerleader for the victims of that uh, of those crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> other than her not clapping when she was standing behind him. And while he was giving a speech with the rest of the audience, uh, you know, there, she did reach out and hug him. Mm-hmm. You know, has to be a tough spot. Yeah, <laughs> to be a yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I liked to. Uh, you know, one of the things I I liked was the. Uh, I, I really, I you know the the small moment of having. One of those uh, special effects Oscar winners, I, I think, or, or it was the makeup. It was for, uh, you know, they were mostly Italian artisans up there, and and that one guy saying, you know, this is for all the immigrants, uh, and he started thinking about <clears throat> the movie industry and how mm-hmm. if we couldn't have immigrants <laughs> working in the movie industry. What? How are we going to do that? You know, it's like right. that's impossible. Uh, you know, I, I I thought that that moment, uh, you know, from from some of the smaller you know text speeches or whatever, was really was really amazing. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I did, did pretty you? well in the in the in my predictions. Uh, better than usual, actually. I got eighteen out of. Uh, out of 24, right? Uh, usually I get something like 14 or something, you know, and I'm like, ah, that's what why I do I even bother? <laughs> that's what I got. But for a brief shining moment, I had 15. <laughs> mm. 
until they changed their minds on me. And then well, it helps, uh, you know, with the spe- with the uh, <clears throat> with the it helps with the uh, short films to have actually seen them all, <laughs> which I have. Uh, so uh, you know, so in that way, I was able to predict two of those correctly, uh, and uh, those those can. Uh, those can ruin an Oscar pool if you're just picking them by, you know, oh, this sounds good or whatever. You know, I haven't seen them, uh, but uh, but seeing them. No, really I, li- helps. I, lis- I listen to you. I listen to you on those. Mm-hmm. So I got I the mean, same thing I, wrong I, I went, you did. <laughs> The only one that I missed was the animated film uh, Piper, which I I just couldn't bring myself to to actually say what's going to win. I kind of knew it was going to win because of, because you know it's the most widely seen of all of them, having having been hooked onto uh, Finding Dory uh, this past summer. But um, but I couldn't bring myself to do it because I loved one of the other nominees so much more. Which uh, Parasite yeah. for cigarette and cigarettes is just an amazing movie. Uh, but. Um, so, so that well, helps, but you know the uh, the one of my predictions came true, and that was this is the lowest rated broadcast since two thousand eight. Mm. Uh, like early early numbers, I think it's a it's like almost two million below last year. So it's a, uh, I think that's what they came out with. Mm. But uh, so that shows you two million right wingers decided not to watch this year. Uh, and, well, uh, I think it also shows that that many people just did not have a dog in this hunt. Yeah, and the awards well, the, the problem, awards perform better. The awards perform mm-hmm. better when there's a chance that a Lord of the Rings, which I think is the last highest rated show of theirs, uh, was the when the third Lord of the Rings won. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is that now the way it's. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do something about this. There's going to have to be some change of thinking in uh, in the in the Hollywood Collective, because if you have all of these movies, that's you know, even if they're released at you know at Sundance or whatever, being held under uh, held away from us. Uh, throughout the entire year until the very last moment uh, when they're released like in December and then we have the the awards thing and the movies don't have any time to reach the country. So right. if, you, if you don't have any time to reach the populace, how are you going to build any kind of excitement towards the Oscars? And how are you going to build the the ratings right you have to we have to start paying attention to uh, getting away from this idea that everything's got to be released in a four month in a one month time at the end of the year in order to be considered an oscar uh player and instead try and pepper some of that stuff Throughout the year, I mean, you don't have to do it in April, but uh, uh, but certainly October and November is is okay, you know. But then again, you know, if you're uh, if you're trying to you know play this game or whatever, I guess it's a little bit more complicated. And there's the idea that you know you might be forgotten if you're in October, or you might come out too early as a front runner and gather gather a backlash or whatever. The backlash and the sort of whisper campaigns that come in to play are really, you know, well they're they're proving to be effective actually. <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. It's a game, uh, and. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very much, you know, as we were saying last night, it's very much, you know, the movie lovers kind of sports game, you know. And um and there are many ways to many ways to win a game in any in any realm. Uh but uh I think I think it, you know, I just think it would be better for movies in general for audiences to be exposed to <clears throat> to have the chance to see the movies. 
that's that's all there is to it, you know. And uh, you know the reason why Lord of the Rings was there? Why? Because when it was released in November or whatever or early December, it was released into five thousand theaters. So everybody got a chance mm-hmm. to see it. It wasn't just that it was just Lord well, of the Rings. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a ma- it's, it was a mass populist movie, and it had a great shot of winning. Uh, yeah. I mean the same the same thing with Titanic. Um, and plus, it had had two but, other movies ahead of it that that didn't win Best Picture. Two two, but, you know, but other the sequels dan- the danger, or whatever. The danger is, <clears throat> the danger is, uh, I mean, you can't just nominate something because it's popular. I mean, you're you, ideally you're working with different standards of judgment uh, there, uh, but. You know, I, I I think you're just gonna have to swallow the loss of numbers if you have, if all if only one of your movies is or two movies this year breached a hundred million dollars. I think. Uh, yeah, well, figures in La La Land, right? Yeah, they 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 surpassed a hundred million each. I mean, you know, they're 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 on their way to a hundred and fifty each. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a film. <clears throat> like Moonlight, you know. I mean, it just can't, you know, on a theatrical basis, it can't possibly, you know, reap very many rewards. No, it, should, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be expected to. It shouldn't be expected mm-hmm. to, and what it's made is great for that for that kind of movie. <clears throat> and I'm sure it'll make a lot more. But, I mean, the other thing is that they, the whole reason why they expanded to up to 10 Best Picture nominees was to combat this, to give them more of a variety in, in terms of they can nominate worthy mainstream movies. Uh, you know, The Dark Knight is what set all this stuff in motion. Well, the only problem is they're not making any worthy. <laughs> they don't make any worthy ones. They're just simply not making any good ones. Uh, they're, uh, you know, those po- popular movies uh big hit movies are are pandering and uh, pandering to to the lowest common denominator and they're, and they're just simply not good right um, that's just as plain as I can put it you know i was uh, you know like some, something like a rival you know for instance i was actually kind of <clears throat> surprised that I guess uh, Rival did okay at the box office, but it's kind of a movie that that was at least released early enough for people to see it, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know it it, ha- it has its fans, and uh, so I mean you know, uh, but but that's kind of the more correct way to go about it, I think. Yeah, um, but then again, like you said, I think it was you that said it last night about. Being surprised that we all think of Hell or High Water as this big major hit, and no, it was a nominal success, uh, but that came out rather early. Uh, I mean, yeah, it did. Uh, yeah, it came out in August, late August, and um, that just shows you, you know, kind of where we are in 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 uh, the appreciation of movies these days. Is that, or in 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 the distrib- distribution because. That's a movie, like I was saying last night, is is that is a movie that could have easily been in the nineties. Could have been a a hundred billion dollar hit in July or something like that. Uh, instead, uh, since now our idea of movies is oh they all have to be like fucking roller coaster rides. Well, it's not a fucking roller coaster. It's a fucking movie, and uh, and uh, so. But now a movie like that is considered an art house movie. Yeah. Because it actually happens to deal with humans. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I know, I know. Well, you know, so, they're, we'll close, we'll they're close not going to nominate um, any kind of movie just because, uh, you know, I mean, we're not in the Dr. Doolittle days. And thank God we're not in the Dr. Doolittle days. Where there's something shitty like that or or even something like Hello Dolly or something uh could get into the best picture race. Uh you know, I mean th- those were the pandering uh uh sort of movies of their time, you know. 
And uh, now the pandering movies are, are superhero movies. And they're just not going to nominate one that isn't absolutely – I mean, you know, I could see them nominating Dark Knight, even though it's not my cup of tea. Uh, at least it, it hits like a realm of, of, of quality that's very high. And uh, um, and they're gonna if if those type of movies want to be nominated for Best Picture, they're going to have to hit that high. Mm-hmm. They can't just be well, sleepwalking through it. Here, here here's uh, I read an interview today <clears throat> where God, who was it? I can't remember if it was J.J. Uh, J. Abrams or someone else, but. Uh, they made a statement that uh, Mark Hamill will win Best Actor next year for the next Star Wars. So uh, <clears throat> I think that would be great. Well. Even though I'm, sh- I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's great. Uh, what's your, what's your, what's your insanely early prediction for a Best Picture frontrunner for next year? Oh well, that uh, that uh, there's a a new movie. By uh, Luna uh, Gugino, the the same guy that did a bigger splash this year. Uh, it's called uh, "Call Me by Your Name." That's uh, and it's another it's another you know gay themed film, and uh, that's getting a lot of buzz now. Um, but you know, just like always, I you know you 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 can't tell until you see the movies. Uh, you really can't. I mean, you know, everybody thought Billy Lynn's halftime, long halftime walk was going to be a big deal. You can't. You really can't tell. I mean, the very at the very least, you have to see a trailer for them. And uh, and I mean, for me, I can I can see a trailer for something. Now I know I said you know I saw La La Land and thought Best Picture. That's Best Picture for sure. And you know that's I've, you, you I've been proven ready. wrong. <laughs> But you can at least see five minutes. Yeah, I was right for five minutes. But um, uh, I still believe you. You know, there is just something sort of intrinsic in those trailers. Like I just get a whiff of, you know, I I knew that Billy Lynn's halftime walk was dead in the water when I saw that trailer. I was like, no way, (laughs) that's not going to work. and you just kind of get – you have to get some kind of whiff about them. Um, well, here's my, here's my prediction. Here's, okay. here's one of my predictions for next year. Next year, finally, Roger Deakins will win a cinematography Oscar for Blade Runner. Right. And that has a strong possibility of being a Best Picture nominee. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, you know, it seems like all the cards are lining up in the right places for that film. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I can easily, I can easily see that happening. And uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be the big thing everybody's looking looking for now. Roger Deakins. Yeah, October eighth is when that comes out. Yeah. Um, so when we uh, when we convene on Sunday or our next show, when that might air. Um, we will uh, discuss the most anticipated movies of 2017. We'll go through them. We'll give you a rest of the year forecast. I'll do my research. But that does it. My due, that due does diligence. It for this Oscar season, man. It's all over. It, it was great. It was, a, uh, it was a great show. I have to say just this final thing. That show was the best produced. I know that the, you, every, every post-mortem of the Oscars is usually – some kind of like, what a slog that was. And sometimes it is. But this show was fantastic. They need to get these, keep these producers on because they, they yeah. did an amazing job. The thing almost came in in under two hours. If it hadn't been for the final final thing, it would have been, I, I mean, hours. three hours. It would have been like three hours and one minute long. So. No, no, no. This, this, was, this was the, I think this was the, Second longest oh. telecast in a decade. Well, oh, okay. Oh, wait, because it starts at eight thirty. That's right. So it would be three <laughs> three hours, so like, three hours and thirty one minutes, or three hours and forty yeah. minutes, I guess. So 
Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, if I say every year, you know, the, I, 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 it could be eight hours. I'd stick along with it. I, I think they should add twenty more categories. Personally, I could easily come well, up with ten do, categories. You can't do it. You cannot do it. You cannot make it a two-hour show. It, it just—it's it, not possible. And if anyone out there thinks the Oscars is unwatchable now, just imagine if it were just nonstop reading of the nominees with no kind of entertainment value whatsoever. It would be yeah. like watching a lecture. It would be watching a lecture with a slideshow presentation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This this is true. By the way, I love the uh, hidden figures uh, women coming out with uh, Catherine Johnson. That was that was fantastic. So mm-hmm. lots lots of standing O's that uh, last night. So, um, but all right. I okay, guess, good uh, times. Good times, and uh, I guess we'll convene uh, on Sunday. Sounds good. Have a good rest all of right. the week. All right. Thanks Bye, for everybody. listening, everybody.